Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, April 26, 2020, we continue our series titled, Live Different, the Sermon on the Mount. Today's sermon, Jesus on Judgment, will be taught to us by Pastor Ed Lutz out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. I'm really excited that we get an opportunity to return to the Sermon on the Mount You know, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount for quite a while now, haven't we? And the Sermon on the Mount, if you recall, is chapters 5, 6, and 7 in the Gospel of Matthew. And today, we're actually coming to chapter 7. So we're two-thirds of the way through this incredible message. Can you believe that we get to actually read the very words of Jesus Christ and the words that He preached to a multitude? It's a privilege, isn't it, that we've got the Word of God like we do, and we can see what Jesus had to say? You know, today's passage is going to quote a verse or reference a verse that I think is probably most known to everyone in the world, really, especially non-Christians. Now, we all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, even if he perishes, will have eternal life. So that's a really familiar verse, but the one that most people quote is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Well, here, let me read it to you. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. We've all heard that, right? Matter of fact, the the way that it's quoted, a lot of people would use the King James Version. Judge not lest ye be judged. Sounds kind of lofty, kind of a, a sense of superiority about it, right? Have you ever been judged by somebody? Do you know what that feels like? Maybe they give you a certain look or they've, They whisper under their breath to somebody next to you, and you can just tell they're criticizing you. There's something about you that they don't like, right? How's that make you feel? Makes you feel terrible. And and what do we want to do? We want to lash out and say, it's wrong for you to judge me, (laughs) Which which is kind of ironic because that statement itself is a statement of judgment, isn't it? Let me ask you another question. Have you judged anyone? Of course we have. Probably a better question would be, have you judged anyone today? You see, we judge people so much more than we should. We do it all the time. And what we're going to find out today is that Jesus says, don't. Stop. Stop criticizing people. Stop condemning people. Quit being harsh with those that you speak with. Just stop it. Stop judging These are hard words to take, but man, they're so good for us to hear. Just last week, my wife and I were driving west on the 101. We were out driving out to Glendale to see my daughter, and we pulled off the access road, and we came to stop at 7th Street and Beardsley. And right there to the left, there's an underpass. And we saw a sign from a homeless person. I'm sure you all are familiar with people standing on the corners and they're holding up these signs and they're they're asking for money and in the sign will tell you what they're raising money for and what's our first reaction we're thinking yeah right i'm sure you're going to use the money for that what do we do we judge we make our an appearance we judge on their appearance and we think there's no way that you're probably going to use that money for what you say you're going to do well can i read you what the sign said the person was gone But the sign was left, and this is what it said. Thank you, Beardsley and 7th Street. Because of you, 
I made it to Texas for my mom's funeral. God bless you. Zing, right? I read that and instantly I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. How many people have driven by that corner or been stopped at that light and turned to the left and they see somebody like that holding a sign? Well, this person probably faced hundreds of people every day and was wrongly judged. You see, what he was asking for was really what he needed the money for. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, the seriousness of judgment and what Jesus says to us about how we judge other people. But before we do that, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for our time together. Thank you for your word. Father, this is a passage that is difficult to read because it stings so much. But thank you that your word works like a scalpel and it cuts to our heart and does surgery within our spirit. I pray that as a result of this morning that we would live differently because of the words of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Our main idea for today, if I could summarize this whole message in one sentence, it would be this, is that Jesus takes judgment very seriously, really seriously, and that we need to examine our own lives first before we lovingly speak into the life of other people. Before we can express a concern outwardly to somebody, we need to take an inward look first. That's the message for today. I feel like this passage needs just a brief setup. What I'd like to do is, first of all, talk about the true judge, right? We all make judgments. We all take a position or a stance where we think we are the authority on another person's life. But you know what the reality is? Only Jesus Christ is the perfect judge. And that's because he is God, right? Only Jesus knows what's in the heart of men. Jesus knows all things. And so therefore, he is really the only one who is truly fit to judge. That's our first point. Jesus is the perfect judge, and he will judge everyone. Let me give you just a, a couple verses from the New Testament. You know, the Apostle Paul was coming to the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as he's writing to Timothy about passing the torch for Timothy to continue on in ministry, and Paul reflects upon his life, and he says these words, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. You see, Paul realizes that the Lord, and the Lord alone, is the righteous judge. Everything that Jesus does, everything that he says, every way that he thinks is perfectly righteous. And he alone is the perfect judge. An exciting passage of scripture is Revelation chapter 19. You see, Jesus is coming back someday. And in the, the 19th chapter of Revelation, we get a picture of that. Can you believe it? We actually see the coming of the Lord to the earth. And this is how it describes Jesus as he's coming back to judge. His judgments are true and just. In righteousness, he judges. There it is again, right? He alone is the true judge. Well, what do you mean? Well, one thing that's really significant is that as God, 
And as one who knows everything about everyone, he alone is able to look deep inside our hearts and see the secrets of our hearts. He alone knows the motives of people. Have you ever used this phrase where you say, you know what, I think I'm a pretty good judge of character. Really? Now, I know we use that phrase a lot, but really what it's saying is, I'm able to judge what I can't see. Can we really do that? Jesus can. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4, it is the Lord who judges. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. See, only Jesus knows what's in the heart of man. He alone is the perfect judge. And so that provides us a little bit of a basis as we tear into this passage in the Gospel of Matthew. We need to remember Jesus is going to tell us not to judge. And one of the primary reasons for that is he alone is the perfect judge. So now that we understand who the true judge is, let's look at his teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. Hopefully you have your Bibles. I'm going to be reading starting in chapter 7. We're going to look at the first two verses. Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There it is. Don't judge. Why? Well, first of all, we know that he alone is the, the true judge. And he says, don't judge because you will be judged. And we saw that. The Apostle Paul tells us that all of us will stand before the Lord someday. And then there's a sober warning in here. He says, the measure or the standard by which you judge other people, you will also be judged according to that. See, we create this, this false standard of righteousness. We we tend to think that maybe we have our lives more together than we really do. Maybe that we're more righteous, more godly than we really are. And so what we tend to do is we tend to impose the standard that we live by upon other people, right? And Jesus says, be careful, don't do that, because that standard that you're judging other people by will be the standard by which I judge you. And we know that we are going to fall short. So don't judge. Well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to see within the context here, our first point is don't condemn other people. Don't condemn others. In other words, don't, don't harshly criticize people. Don't look down upon people. You know, I tend to have a problem when I speak to my children at times. I, I think I'm being loving and gracious and trying to offer a word of encouragement maybe trying to correct a, a thought that I feel maybe is, is maybe the best way of thinking. And, and I'll say something to my kids. Inevitably, I hear this from my wife. It's, it's, honey, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. See, I think I said it in a loving, gracious way, but whether it's my body language or my facial expressions, probably more the tone of my voice, it conveys a sense of judgment. And I can just tell when I speak those words, it deflates their spirit. And that's not what I want to do. I think I'm being helpful, but really what I'm doing is I seem to be condemning them. And this is the type of judgment that Jesus says we shouldn't do. 
Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, and that's us, right? For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here, right? Paul later says in Romans chapter 14, Why are you passing judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Jesus is saying, it's not your job to condemn. Stop harshly criticizing and judging other people. Because you will be judged in the same way. So that's our first point. Stop judging in this way. And now in verses 3 and 4, we're going to see a, an illustration to drive home the point. Let's look at chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Jesus says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Verse 4, How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? Now, I know that Jesus is omniscient and he knows everything, but it's almost as if he's puzzled. He's saying, how can you do this? Why are you doing this? Why are you able to see such a small thing in somebody else's life when you have such a big issue in your own life? Why do you do that? How can you do that? And he uses an illustration here that I think is really insightful. He asks a couple questions, first of all, right? These questions are there to pierce a little bit, to get us to examine our own lives, to self-assess. But he uses a, a, a woodworking illustration. What do we know about Jesus Christ? Son of a carpenter. Do you think Jesus grew up in a wood shop watching his, his father Joseph make things out of wood, work the saw, maybe chisel? Do you think Jesus ever got a splinter in his eye? And that's what the word speck means. It's a, it's a splinter. I'm sure he did. Well, we know people, right? Uh, you've gotten a, a splinter or something in your eye. It feels like you have a scratch. You can tell when it's there. You might be looking at somebody and they're, they're squinting. Maybe their eye's starting to water. And so we can see it. That's what Jesus says. You can see the speck that is in your brother's eye. But Jesus is asking why are you looking at that? What you should be concentrating on, giving all of your attention to, is the fact that you've got this massive beam of wood. The word log is like a giant beam, maybe a, one of the beams that would uphold the roof of a house or the main support beam in the structure of a home. And Jesus is saying, you're spending all of your time looking at a splinter. And the truth is, you're blinded by this log. Why are you doing that? How can you do that? What's ironic a little bit about this verse is, is it says that we are blind, and yet somehow we're able to see something in somebody else's life. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was at my grandchildren's home, and we had an Easter egg hunt. And we showed up at 7.30 in the morning. Man, they're up early, right? They can't wait to get started. When we walk out on the patio, my wife and I walk out, and the entire yard is just covered with pastel eggs. I mean, there must be over 100 eggs for these two little boys. And on the count of three, one, two, three, go. And what do they do? They just sprint, they take off, and they're in search of these eggs that are all the way across the yard. And you know what they're doing in the, <laughs> in, in the process? They're passing over the eggs that are right in front of them. I mean, they're everywhere. And I'm thinking, how can you not see this one? Just bend over. 
A couple times we would grab their hand, we'd take them over to the tree fort and we'd show them an egg or we'd lift up the cover of the grill, oh, there's an egg hidden in there. See, they were all over, but for whatever reason, they were blinded to some of the most obvious things. Let me give you a different illustration. I would think that all of us have one of these in our refrigerators. Well, at least we think we do. As a, maybe it's just a guy thing, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but how many times have I gone to the refrigerator and I'm looking for the ketchup, right? For whatever reason, it's kind of like socks in the dryer. Somehow you, they disappear and I'm looking for this bottle of ketchup and I might call off to my wife as, honey, do we have any ketchup? And I hear this. It's on the door, right? Well, I'm looking, but I don't see it. And it could be right in front of me. So, so I say, I don't see it. My wife, we yell, it's right there in front of you. I still don't see it. So inevitably, she'll come out to the kitchen, pick it up, right there, it's right in front of you. <laughs> and she's right, but I can't see it. It's amazing, right? We miss the obvious. And Jesus' point here is saying, don't be the sin police. Don't play the role of the Holy Spirit in another person's life. Self-assess. That's our second point. Self-assess before giving love and correction. Why do we miss it? Why are we so blind? Maybe, maybe it's insecurity. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're afraid that if we admit that we have some of these same faults, that... It'll make us look weak, less spiritual. Maybe we're trying to convey the sense that we really have our life together, our spiritual life is really vibrant. But if we're honest and we let people know some of the things we struggle with, it would paint us in a bad light. So it's a lot easier to look at other people than focus on ourselves. Maybe it's a, a hardness to sin. Maybe we are just calloused and we aren't sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's been a long period of time when we haven't been in the Word or been spending time in prayer and it seems like we're deaf to the Holy Spirit in our life. There are lots of reasons why we don't see the sin in our life. But man, it's so easy and, and we're so quick to point it out in other people's lives. And Jesus says that's wrong. So what have we learned? Stop condemning. Don't condemn others. And we need to self-assess before we speak into the life of other people. If we don't, Jesus says we're hypocrites. Let's look at verse 5. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will clearly see to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, there's a process here. First do this, then do that. Well, what's the first step? You know, I'm sure we genuinely love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we might see something that we believe is harmful, that we want to point out, that we want to come alongside with love and grace and mercy and gentleness and help correct something that we feel they need to make right. But unless we look at our own life first, because that may be the same issue, the same sin problem that we're struggling with, Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. You know, there are two really good passages in Scripture, I think, that point this out. One's in the Old Testament, and one is in the New Testament. And I'd like us to look at Psalm 51 first. You know, Psalm 51, if you know the context, it's David coming to grips with this sin. He got called out, and he realized that he had been calloused to the things of God, 
and had been a hypocrite. See, David as king of Israel felt entitled to take whatever he wanted. And so he saw this woman named Bathsheba and she was a married woman, but he saw her and he wanted her. And he ended up having a baby with her. So he committed adultery. And not only did he do that, he tried to fix it and, and make things right, but he failed in that. So what does he do next? Well, he's the king and there's a war going on. So he commissions the woman's husband to go to the front lines. And this man ends up getting killed. So not only does David commit adultery, but now he commits murder. And the prophet Nathan comes to him and he calls him out. And what we have in Psalm 51 is David dealing with his sin. See, he's going to look inward because that's what God wants us to do. Listen to what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Now look at all these references to a sin. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil. He recognizes the evil aspect of his character. And then he says, I've done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. See, he recognizes that God alone is the righteous and the true judge. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. See, David is going deep into his soul, and he's looking inward, and he's looking even at the, the secrets of his heart that nobody else can see except the Lord. Then he says, purge me, wash me, blot out my iniquities, create in me, God, a clean heart. I want to fix this thing. And then in verse 13, he says these words, then... I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. You see, the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit, O oh God, you will not despise. You see what he did here? He recognized the fact, if I even want to go to somebody else with a concern that I have, maybe I see a sin in their life, the first thing I need to do is come clean in my own life. Only then... Do I have the opportunity to go somebody else first? He did business with God first. Paul says the same thing in, in Galatians chapter 6. He's talking to the church there. And in chapter 6, the first three verses, Paul writes this. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. See, that's how we're supposed to go to a brother or sister in Christ. If we are really, truly spiritually mature, godly people, when we see a brother and sister who's caught up in a transgression, it should grieve us. We should want to go to them with the spirit of mercy and grace and gentleness. See, that's true spirituality. But then Paul says this, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You see what he says? If you're going to go to a brother or a sister in Christ and point out something you think needs to be corrected, 
Do a gut check, right? He says, keep watch on yourself because we might be prone to the same temptation, the same sin. We might have the same sin in our life. So how can we go to somebody else when that is the same issue for us? Jesus says if we do that, if we don't self-assess before we lovingly go to another brother and sister in Christ, says we're hypocrites. And Paul's warning us, don't do that. Don't do that. You see, Jesus is the only true judge. It's not our role to condemn, to criticize. And if we see a brother and sister in Christ, what are we supposed to do? Look inward first. Self-assess our own sin. And only then can we go and lovingly speak into the life of somebody else. Well, let's look how Jesus wraps up this passage. Verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, this seems like an odd place to put a sentence like this, right? Does it fit? Well, yes, it does. What have we been talking about? We're talking about sin in the life of an individual. And we all recognize that we're sinners. But praise the Lord, Jesus Christ has freed us from our sin. He has set us free. He's forgiven us. And we recognize that a loving thing to do is in a spirit of humility, we might have occasion and a need to go to a brother and sister in Christ. That's the gospel. Celebrating the forgiveness of Christ and, and what he wants for us. But you realize, as we love people, we may take the gospel, the message of forgiveness of sins, to people who don't know the Lord. And what might be their response? Total rejection. Animosity. That's what we see here. See, inevitably, if we try to share the gospel, the fact that Jesus died on the cross to forgive our sins, and the fact that he rose again three days later from the grave to give eternal life, that's the gospel. When we point out that people can be saved from their sin, they probably miss the saving part and feel that what we've done is we've just highlighted their sin. And they don't like that. They sense that that's condemnation. And Jesus says, don't give to dogs what is holy or throw your pearls before the pigs. You know, the dogs and the pigs in Scripture, these are metaphors for unbelievers. In Revelation chapter 22, when it's talking about the kingdom of heaven, it says that the dogs are on the outside. So they're not believers. They're not going to be in the kingdom of heaven. You know, I've been to Haiti, and, and several of you have probably been to third world countries. When you see dogs running the streets in any other place besides America, you're probably not going to go up and pet them. They're scavengers. They're digging in the garbage. Most of the world would look upon dogs as filthy and dirty, not pets. And here we have an example. Dogs might have been taking some of the meat that was sacrificed to the Lord, some of the leftovers, or maybe they take some of the holy bread. It says, don't do that. Don't give that to them. They don't want it. They'll reject it. They're not worthy of it, is what he is saying. And the pigs, don't throw them the pearls. You know, Matthew chapter 13, the, the kingdom of heaven is described as the great pearl, the value, the the joy and the treasure of eternal life and the message of the kingdom. When you bring that message, some people act like pigs and they reject it. They trample it underfoot. So the truth here that we need to point out, the principle is that we as believers need to use discernment and stay on mission. 
when you share the gospel and someone's confronted with their sin and they don't know Jesus, they take great offense. And not only do they reject the gospel, but they attack us. Have you felt that? Have you been in a situation where people have verbally attacked you and persecuted you and they feel judged? What we're trying to do is be loving and gracious and give them the good news of the gospel, but all they see is the fact that they're sinners and they don't want to deal with it. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, you know, when you go into a household and you share the gospel, some people will accept it. But for those households that don't, shake off the dust, leave. Now, it doesn't mean we condemn them, right? We know that Jesus alone is the judge. Share the gospel, and if they want nothing to do with it, leave in sorrow. Continue to pray for them, but recognize that we need to stay on mission. Well, that's our passage. That's the teaching on judgment. What do we learn? That Jesus is the, the true judge. It's not our job to condemn other people, to be harsh, to be overly critical. We've learned that we need to self-assess before we speak into the life of somebody else. Ask God to show us our sinfulness, that we're not hypocrites. And then finally, realize, use discernment and know that Regardless of how loving and gracious we are as we present the gospel, there will be some people who just reject it. Pray for them, but stay on mission and allow Jesus Christ to be the one to judge. It was a joy to be with you this morning. I hope you enjoyed our time of worship together and our study of Matthew chapter 7. May we keep in mind that Jesus alone is the true judge. He is fit to judge, not us. I pray this week that as we find ourselves being harsh or critical of other people, that we stop, just stop. And if it's something that we know we shouldn't say, that we would just be quiet. And as God gives you a burden and a love for brothers and sisters in Christ, and you feel like you want to lovingly and humbly speak into their life, we, we make sure that we stop and assess our own hearts first to make sure that the things that we're noticing in others are not, in fact, true of us first. We don't want to be a hypocrite. And then stay on mission. Continue to share the gospel. Love people well. God bless you. Have a great week. <music>